Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And listen to this. I have got a real life superhero. She is a local celebrity here in the Columbus, Ohio area. You guys are going to be blown away by this lady. Her name is Mindy Dreher. And I want you to do me a favor and I want you to share this out right now so millions of people can learn about this lady. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Okay, I am excited. Let me go ahead and bring Mindy onto the show. Mindy, welcome. Hi, Ken. I Thank am you so, so much for having me on your show. Oh, I am so excited to have you here. You know, I watched you on, well, you were on Channel 4, NBC, mm-hmm. for how many years? About 17, 18 years. <laughs> Mostly doing weekend mornings. Like, who works weekend mornings? For all that time. Normally, that's a stepping stone. You start there. You don't end there. But it was <laughs> perfect for my life situation and my family situation. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> you said it's a stepping stone. Right. Like, Get out of the way, Cabot. I'm coming for you. <laughs> well, normally, yeah, you bring in these you know, younger journalists and throw them on the weekend mornings. They get their feet wet and then they move up. Well, yeah. It was completely opposite for me because that was the perfect schedule and the perfect opportunity for me to be a mom all through the week and then still work a little bit on the weekend morning. So it was so, awesome. So that was by choice? Yeah. So it was actually, yes, it was uh, It was perfect because wow. I always wanted to be a stay-at-home mom. That was you know, how I grew up. And you don't realize it at the time, you know, when you're a kid, you don't realize how awesome it is to have your mom always there for you. In fact, so many times you're like, why is my mom always here? But then as you get older, you think to myself, you know, you think to yourself, that's actually pretty cool. And then, and I lost a brother when I was a freshman in high school. And when I heard my mom say at that point, you know what, I could have never spent more time. My brother's name was Mark. And she had always said, I could have never spent more time with Mark. And it's something hit me right there. And I thought, you know what? To go through life and lose a son and have no regrets, that's kind of incredible. So that always stuck in the back of my mind. I thought if I ever get married and have kids, I want to be my mom. I want to be that stay-at-home mom. Wow. That's awesome. Let, let's, let's, um, let's, let's back up for a minute. Let's, let's talk <laughs> okay. about I, I like to see, I, I, so I started this like three and a half years ago and it was literally at the time that I decided to start this, I was like, I'm, I just want to help people. I think that by hearing other people's stories of ups and downs in life and, and how they overcame them, I, I think there's healing power in that. So um, I really, I, I, I want to start with like where you were born and raised. All righty. I was born and raised in Minneapolis, Minnesota. My dad had a really good job with 3M. Both my parents grew up here in Columbus, Ohio area, born and raised here, 
And then my dad moved, took mom and Matt and Mark and Molly over to Minneapolis. And they moved different places. They lived in Chicago. They lived in Milwaukee. But then he was in Minneapolis for a while with 3M. And then that's where I was born. And I stayed there with my family till about four years old and then moved here to Columbus. And I know my family was so happy to finally come back to Columbus, Ohio, because that's where both my parents were from. Um, and then the rest is, I mean, I just stayed here. Then my dad never got transferred anymore. He made a living here in, in Westerville, Ohio and worked as a, a sales executive for years until he retired. Mom was a stay-at-home mom. I was the youngest, Ken. I was the baby. My older brother, Matt, older brother, Mark, older sister, Mindy. They're all, I mean, Molly, and then me. <laughs> and I noticed something in this whole story, like your dad worked for 3M. Yep. And all of the kids' names started with M. Is there some kind of a correlation there? You know what? It really didn't start out that way. If you talk to mom and dad, you know, back in the day, they just kind of went, they liked the name Matthew. Then they liked Mark and then Molly they liked and they figured we might as well stick with it. And then the funny thing is at one point, see if I can still do this. It was Mr. And Mrs. Matt, Mark, Molly, Minnie, 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 and Mickey. We had all of our dogs and cats and we had all M's. We just stayed with the no. M's. Are you serious? <laughs> and then we finally had a dog named Tia. So Tia broke the mold. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. But it wasn't so, planned at all. It just kind of happened. And then when I was born, I probably was a little mistake because I was four years younger than my sister, who was third in line in the pecking order. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they thought, wow. God, we got Matt, Mark, Molly, you might as well stick with another M. That is that is that is hilarious. So so you um so you were you said you were four when you moved to Columbus. Mm -hmm. Um, which really, I mean, that kind of just makes you, I mean, you're a Buckeye, like you're, it's just, you, it is what it is. It so is. you, you went to, so did you go to school, high school and all that over in Westerville? I did. Okay. I went to Mark Twain elementary. I went to Walnut Springs middle school, went to Westerville North high school and yeah. then Ohio state. My dad also graduated from Ohio state. Mom yeah. did not go to college and my brother Matt graduated from Ohio State. My brother, Mark, started out in Toledo to play golf and then lasted maybe just a little bit and then transferred over to Ohio State. And then you want to know something, Ken? Matt and Mark were scheduled that fall to have a class together in college. And then he was killed. And so Matt and Mark never had that class at Ohio State together. And then Molly started going to college. But you know what? College isn't for everybody. So right. she didn't finish college. She opened up a flower shop and it is blooming. Get it? Flower blooming. But she's like doing awesome with a little flower shop called Molly's Flowers in Sunbury, Ohio. Wow. I we used to live in Sunbury. I love You Sunbury. did? Yes. Where? When? We lived out out in the way out in the country. When was it? 2010-ish? Huh. Yeah, for several years over there. Yeah. Sunbury Love. is awesome. The people oh. of Sunbury, they're like the the heart of gold people, you know, the salt of the earth people. And I, I love, and that's why my sister fits in perfectly there having a flower yeah. shop. She couldn't have had she couldn't have had her flower shop in a better area than Sunbury. There's there's my wife, as a matter of fact, saying awesome. We uh yeah, yeah. we're we're really good friends with um the former chief of police over there, Pat and Maria, and 
and or his wife is Maria. Anyway, yeah, we love Sunbury. Who so, are you friends with? You're friends with everybody. Like, you know, everybody. Not everybody. I, I mean, have... I know a couple people. <laughs> you know a lot of couple people. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's kind of my, my, my job. My wife, she, I don't know if you remember her, but she, she remembers you from when she ran the, she was the marketing director at the state fair for, Oh yeah, I think yeah. She probably knows Tom McNutt really well. We we built Tom's website. Yeah, did been, you? Yeah, I, we love Tom. She oh, knows Tom super well. One yeah. of my most favorite people. I adored adored working with Tom McNutt. He he was something else. You know, I when the crowd good was man. Going, yeah, good good man. Yeah, um, and 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 very missed. Very, oh my very gosh, missed. big time. Yeah. Yeah. His family, his friends, the whole agriculture department, the yeah. state fair, county fairs. Yeah, he was so involved with everything. And you could never stump that man. You could ask him mm -hmm. any, any type of green thumb <laughs> question. And he knew. He knew uh, everything. He So, you know Kevin Bacon, right? Yeah. The, yeah. So, Kevin's a really good friend of mine. Yeah, you had him on the show a little, what, a few weeks. He's ago. been on. A, he's been on several times. Just <laughs> he'll call me up and say, "Hey, you want to go live and talk about whatever?" Oh, how funny! Yeah, yeah but he like he he doesn't cross lines when it comes to politics. I'm like, dude, come on, man, you're a <laughs> state senator. But anyway, so um, <laughs> I, I was with Kevin. He he was for some reason. Oh, I was talking about we did Tom McNutt's website and. We ended up doing doing a couple of sites for Kevin too, but um, he he said, "Man, I would love to talk to Tom. I have this problem with one of his plants." And I go, "Well, hang on." I, so I called Tom. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, how funny!" And Tom solved his problem. It was Absolutely. amazing. Yeah, Absolutely. he knew he knew everything about agriculture and plants, and yeah, incredible. Uh, yeah, I'm telling you that we would get such good ratings on those weekend mornings. Yeah. And the reason really a lot of it was because of Tom, because people loved seeing him. He was just yeah. everybody's grandpa, so to speak. And they could get all their gardening questions answered. They knew that they'd get their problem solved because yeah. of Tom. Yeah. Yeah. He was amazing. So, so you went, you ended up, um, we went pretty quick by um, high school and college. And, but I, I do want to talk about, um, you know, like when growing up, I mean, how old were you when you lost your, um, lost your brother? A freshman in high school. And it was a, it was a horrible situation. You know, we were a family that's closer than close. Four kids, two parents, um, grandparents every Sunday night, even to this day, you know, I don't have any grandparents anymore, but right. we would all get together every Sunday night at my parents' house. And even though my grandma and grandpa were getting so much older, they continued to drive. And it was always, you think grandma and grandpa are going to make it up here okay? Because they were living in Grandview and we were in Westerville. But every Sunday they would drive up here. So we're just a very close family. You know, I don't know how many families get together at least one night a week. And I'm talking about, you know, grandparents, cousins, whatever. You know, we would all get together. And it was just a close-knit family. And my brother was 22 years old at the time. And he was going out. There was a place in Columbus called the Gold Rush. And it was over at Bryce and Livingston over there back in the day. Yeah. He was going out with his with his buddies. So he was at the Gold Rush, went out to get something in his car to step outside, and he never went back in. 
And the next thing people realized was he was driving in some sort of red pickup truck. They had a description of it. It had little red express on the sides, on the two door sides and these silver like pipes almost sticking out of each side of the truck. So someone behind this truck who ended up being the bouncer of the gold rush, and this was like three in the morning, saw Mark either getting thrown, pushed or jumped out of this car and, or truck. And he hit his head on a sign and was wow. in a coma for a week. And obviously that was the hardest week in yeah. everyone's life in our family. And everyone came to, you know, the hospital, sat in the waiting room. And then my parents had to had to make a decision. He was on uh, life support for a week. And if he would have, they would have kept him on life support. He would have come out of the coma. He would have been a vegetable. And so they had to make that decision. And then a neighbor of, of my parents said, her name was Jeannie Jones. And she said, you know what? You should probably put life, Mark's lives instead of in the hands of a machine, in the hands of God and let God determine. And so when my parents heard that, they thought, you know what, that makes sense. Cause this could go on and on. You just don't know. Right. And Mark would have never wanted to live in a vegetable life form. And so they pulled the plug, they took him off the respirator and then he peacefully passed. And I was a wow. freshman. A freshman in high school, high school. My gosh, that was a tough, um, that had to have been very, very tough then if you guys are that close of a family. Oh my gosh. And my brothers, Matt and Mark, a year apart. So they did everything together. I mean, it was really probably hardest on my brother, Matt, and obviously my mom and dad. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so, you know, you take life's situations, Ken, and, you know, everybody goes through adversity. Everybody has difficult times in their life. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how great your life is. There's trouble in everyone's life. A little rain shall fall. Yep. And, and, and that was, you know, as a freshman in high school, I still had to get through all my freshman years. And, and mom at that time realized, she's like, you know what, Mindy, I know, I know why we had you now, because I wasn't done raising you. You know, mm. Matt and Molly were older and, and the parents have done their job, but she still had to get me through high school. Yeah. And and she and my dad did. I mean, it was a tough time. It's really, really hard to lose a sibling. But man, you never expect to bury your son or your daughter. And when I saw my parents, you know, having to do that. And now to this day, my son and I know we'll, we're jumping around again, but yeah, I think back and, and I think I, you worry so much. You know, I have an almost 20 year old and an almost 19 year old. Yeah. And you, you, when the weekends come around or if, you can't help, but worry because you had that in the back of your mind that actually happened in your life where mom and dad got that phone call from the police department, you know, and we yeah. have your son, my dad had to go down to the hospital to identify him. And you know what, Ken, he called my dad called my mom that night or that morning. It was early, early in the morning. And he said to her, Carm, we're going to lose our son. And she said, no, Bob, no, no way. But he saw my, my dad saw my brother mm. and he, he, knew, he knew right then we were going to, we were going to lose him, but he was in a coma for a week and, you know, fought wow. the, the fight that you can, you know, you're in a coma, but a lot yeah. of prayers and it just, uh, it was Mark's time. Yeah. Wow. You know, it's funny. I I've had not funny. It's, but it's, uh, I've had conversations about this, like, you know, a lot of people, and I, I, I believe that, that we may, we sign a contract with God before we ever get here. 
like saying, this is, this is my destiny. This is what I'm going to do while I'm on the planet earth. And, 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 you know, you wonder like, why did you sign that contract? <laughs> like, I wasn't ready yet. Right. I know. But you know, um, yeah, that's, that's really, really sad. And I'm, you know, very sorry for your loss and everybody's loss. It sounds like, yeah. But, um, through every tragedy, something, you know, you do learn from that. You learn, yeah. you know, so, so from that point on, you know, there's obviously that sadness, that heartbreak, but you do, you know, life goes on. And if we can somehow find a way to keep Mark's memory alive, we had for years, Mark was a great golfer. I told you he was going to golf yeah. at Toledo. He yeah. was an outstanding golfer. It meant so much. He loved the life of a golfer. He loved the way they dressed. He loved their upscale lifestyle. He just, he loved it, everything yeah. about it. So for years after that, our family held a, a golf outing, um, like a memorial outing in his name, and then gave away a scholarship to a golfer from Westerville North. Wow. So, yeah, and some for some reason that died out, and I don't know how many years we had it going, but it it lasted for a while, and then it just kind of fizzled out. But there's yeah. other ways to always keep people's memory alive. And at that yeah. point in time, you know, being a freshman in high school, you're still you're still experiencing so much of the newness to life. Yeah. And then as I got older, I would experience other adversity, and I thought, you know what, this is nothing. If I would lose my job tomorrow, if something would happen here. It was nothing compared to losing a brother when I was a freshman in high school. So I always mm -hmm. stayed upbeat and positive and, and people were like, is Mindy really that happy? Is she really <laughs> that upbeat or is that fake? It was just that it was never fake. It was just who I was because I had gone through the hardest time I could go through as a little sister to see yeah. your family suffer like that, that nothing else that I could face could be as bad as that. So I was great with the world, you know, with everything else that I was going to go through. What an amazing perspective, though, that you have on it, and it's 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 um so it's second nature to you. It's like it's just who I am. It's not like you know I'm not trying to fake anything. I'm sure you have moments where you're like, I'm really not happy about this. <laughs> right? This is really you know bumming me out. But <laughs> yeah. but in comparison, nothing was as bad as that point, you know? And yeah. then I watched my mom be just this, oh, just strength, just a pillar of strength, you know, just buried her son. My dad, honestly, you know, God rest his soul. I love my dad, love, love, love. But he was not as strong. He didn't handle it as strong as my mom did, yeah. you know? And I, and uh, I don't know, it's just so many, so many thoughts and things, but uh, yeah. yeah, it was September 17th back in, was it 19, was it 89? No, because I would graduate in 86. So it was, I was a freshman, whatever that year would have been. 80, 82. 82. Yes, yeah. 82. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So a lot, many years have passed, you know, and here this September 17th, we still go to the gravesite and, you know, and I told this on our, our show on what matters back, you know, a few weeks ago, but I, my husband and I, Randy and I went to the gravesite and I, you know, said, and I don't know how you are, Ken, if you go and visit someone's grave, but I sit there and I talk, you know, I talk to the person who I'm going to see or the people yeah. who I'm going to see. So I yeah. sat down and I wasn't sad, you know, it was, I mean, obviously you look back and you miss your brother so much and you wish he was here. I wish, I wish he could have met my husband. I wish he could have met my son and my daughter who my son, Kylan, his middle name is Mark, named after Mark, Kylan Mark, quarter cracks. But I'm sitting there talking to Mark and he was also, he loved golf, 
great guy, but he was also a prankster. And out of the sky drops this green double acorn. And I mean, acorns, okay, they fall this time of the year, but at that particular time, they yeah. weren't really falling from this tree, but one just fell, dropped in the lap, landed right in my lap. And I picked it up. I'm going to have it forever. And I really think, Ken, that was Mark's way of saying, hey, little sister, Mindy, thanks for coming to visit me today. I'm here. I'm here with you. Wow. Yeah. My, my wife, um, goes, her, her father, um, is buried here in, in Marion and she'll go over there and she does the same thing. She'll talk. And she's always like, dad is always leaving pennies for me and her mother. Like they always find these pennies and, and they, you oh. know, at the most, like at the times where like, you know, similar to what you're talking about, like there's no other way that it could have showed up except for that. So I'm not me personally. I, I don't, um, how do I say this? I don't, I don't, I, I don't like cemeteries. <laughs> really? Sorry. No, I don't. I Why? Don't. I, and I just feel like. You don't I, ever go visit anybody? No, not really. No. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, wait a minute. Are you going to be buried in a cemetery? Well, probably. Yeah. Will people come visit you? I'm not there, but if they want to, and it makes them feel better. <laughs> That's funny. You know what? I wonder, I wonder how many people feel like you, but I don't think anybody enjoys going to the cemetery. Like, Hey, party, let me meet you at the cemetery. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. you feel, you feel obligated to do and you feel um, kind of a way to connect, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Hmm. Well, my, both of my parents are still alive. So um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see <laughs> what the future future holds. But um, you know, I think that um so you you ended up at, at, at so this happened as a freshman. Um, you you went on through high school. What now? You went to college. What did you uh, What did you major in? In communication. Be very honest with you. The my you know you always have a counselor to go and help you decide what classes to take and what you should study in and what you should major in if you should minor whatever. And I was looking at journalism and I was looking at communication. Honest to God story, Ken. My counselor said, well, because I'm like, well, what's the difference? He's like, well, communication's easier. I said, sign me up. <laughs> oh my God. And that's the truth. He's like, you're basically going to do the same thing in each, but communication will probably be easier. I'm like, wow. That's for me. So what, and, and did you do this in, in, okay. So how do I word this? Did you pursue this in, 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 and in the back of your mind go, and I'm going to be an anchor woman on television after all of this. No, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. In fact, I thought about becoming a teacher. I thought about, huh, teaching would be cool. Um, summer's off. You get the holidays off. If I ever get married, have kids, I can spend a lot of time with the family. Um, so I was a Sunday school teacher at the time. I was a softball coach at the time. I was, I went back to Western North and became a cheerleading advisor. So, and then I thought to myself, you know what? There's so many different ways I could work with kids and be kind of a, a teacher coach, so to speak. Yeah. So let me think of something else that I, everyone tells me, Mindy, you love to talk. You have to do something with talking. And then it kind of hit me. I, I uh, thought, you know what? Let me try that news thing. So then, Yeah. So I just started down that road, went graduating communication, got my first job in Delaware, Ohio, WDLR. Have you oh heard my. that? 
<laughs> we used to live in Delaware too. So Ken, I know Ken knows everybody. He's got friends everywhere. And apparently he's <laughs> lived everywhere. Not everywhere. Where yeah, have you lived? Course. That's crazy. Yeah. Delaware, yeah. Ohio. Delaware, Ohio. Small little cable TV station and radio station. And is it still I'm there? Still um, it, the building is still there. I believe it's just, it's a radio station now. I don't think they do any TV now. But when mm -hmm. they did TV, it was, it was the bottom of the line. I mean, I was so excited because, oh my gosh, it was my first job out of college. And that was right. so cool. But I literally would grab, grab a camcorder. They had different little camcorders. You would grab that. You'd go and shoot your own stuff. So you'd make this interview, go back oh and God. edit it together. Sometimes it would work. Sometimes it wouldn't. Sometimes the machine would eat your tape. And it was, I'd have to call the people back. I'm so sorry. Can we do that interview again? So I knew I, I couldn't last there forever. It was great experience because you definitely had to think on your feet. I even had my own show back then. It was called Accent with Mindy Dreyer. And it was oh either on Monday God. or Wednesday nights, I forget, but it was like a seven o'clock half hour show where we would just grab people interview. I don't care who they were. We'd pull them off the street and just interview. So honestly, <laughs> learned great communication skills and interviewing skills, but I knew I couldn't obviously stay there forever. I mean, I was using my own gas. I probably, I probably spent more money than mm -hmm. what I made in that first job. And I really can wanted to get with some affiliate. It didn't matter to me if it was ABC, NBC, CBS. I just knew that that was the way to go. Yeah. So then I was in Lima. I mean, I, I went from Delaware to Lima. And then I really. Oh, that's a step up. Time. Yeah. Oh. I mean, that's, that's huge. Have you Lima, lived in Lima Ohio. too? Huh? Have you lived in Lima too? Um, when I, I grew up at Indian Lake. No and, way. Yeah. And, and so when my mom would take us school clothes shopping, we'd go to Lima, to the Lima mall. Yeah. The Lima mall. Yeah. Like we, oh yeah, my gosh. Was, how funny. And the American mall. Yeah. Which oh. no longer exists. I can't <laughs> believe. See, see all these connections we have. I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I, thought I, flat, I went to the flat track races at the Allen County fair. Yes. <laughs> Oh, the Allen County Fair was huge. That was the first time I ever in my life did a live shot. I, I, I honestly, when I got the job in Lima, George Dunster was my news director who hired me. And I was just thrilled. I grabbed a resume tape because, you know, when you're in the TV biz, you can't just produce a resume on paper. You have to have some type of a resume tape right. to show, you know, what you can do on TV to show stories that you've done or whatever. Right. So I wanted to be different. I didn't want to just mail tapes. I grabbed tapes and I went to different markets across Ohio and I hand delivered it to the office. And I said, is your news director in by chance? And the receptionist was super nice. Her name was Cheryl. And she said, let me go back and check. And oh my gosh, he came out and met me and I couldn't believe it. I wasn't expecting that because news directors don't do that. And this was in Lima? Yes. And he took me back in the newsroom and we're talking and I thought, this is really nice. And um, ended up getting the job. And it, I thought I made the big time because I didn't have to drive my own car anymore. I didn't have to camcord my own stuff. I actually got to go on stories in a news car that said WLIO with photographers, with either Phil or Joe or Stacy. And I got to actually do a live shot. And the very first live shot was at the Allen County Fairgrounds at the fair. And I was doing something and I was standing next to a cow, a steer. And I remember taking the microphone and asking the cow a question. And just being funny. And I got back to the station and they're like, oh my gosh, you're human. 
Like you're not a statue of walking, talking, just, you know, rip and read type of person. You're going to actually have some personality here. I'm like, oh, so it was okay to interview the cow. Oh my God. That's so awesome. W L I O, right? Is that what, 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 what affiliate was that? NBC. NBC. Oh my gosh. Jeff Fitzgerald oh. is now the news director there. And he was one of the main anchors along with Lori Omnis and Holly Coza and Vince Coza. Vince Coza was the sports guy forever. Do you remember that name? Vince Coza? No. What, what channel is that on? What's, what's their channel number? It was 35. Now, 35. I'm, yep. I remember. Because back, yeah, okay, so really, someone just, someone this just is my this went to Ohio my Northern. Life. They knew Timo, Tino Ramos. Ramos. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, you know, honestly, there's a lot of people who got their start at that little WLIO TV station. And, th you know, actually, their reach, I don't know what their DMA is, that what D their, their total count was, but they're like, we were down in Indian Lake. We picked it up with an antenna. That, that was before cable. <laughs> yes, you're right. And you want to know something, Ken? I loved it there. I was there for about three and a half years, which is probably way longer than anybody should have been if you're moving up in this business and moving on. But it was so fun. I loved everybody. And so many of those people, maybe some of them are watching right now. So many of those people are still there today because it was really, you talk about, you know, and it's sometimes it's overused or like a family. They really were like a family because people would go there and stay, but they had the lock because when we were there, when I was there, there was no other TV station. So you didn't have to worry about ratings. No one really had to worry about accountability in their job right. because there was no one to compare it to. Right, right. So it was a lock. You had that job. You were going to keep that job. And that's where I met my husband, Vince Coza, who, who recently died a few years ago of cancer. He was the sports director there and he was doing a story on my husband, Randy, because he was a huge sports celebrity growing up, Randy Cordacrax, um, and his dad as well. Um, but they were doing a story on Randy making this professional softball team. And he was always a basketball legend growing up. He you know, was an All-American at the University of Finley. So they did this story. I just got off the set doing weather. And then I had to go cover city council that night. I see this big guy, really good looking guy, um, get out of this beat up car. And I'm like, huh, that guy's good looking. <laughs> So anything, it's too long of a story, but that's how we met. We wow. dated for six years until he proposed to me and uh, the rest is history. And this all happened in Lima? That all happened in Lima. And I think that's why, I mean, three and a half years, there was a long time, but I really was happy. I didn't really want to go anywhere. You know, I, the people were great, but then I thought, you know, it's gotta be, there's gotta be more. There's gotta be something else. If I, if I eventually want to get back to TV in Columbus, I got to probably move on. And, you know, everywhere when I was in Delaware, I would knock on the door of Columbus TV stations. Never heard anything. When I was in Lima, I would knock on the door of Columbus TV stations. Never heard anything. You had to have so much experience. Yeah. And then my next move from Lima is I knocked on the door of Youngstown. And I got a job, a morning anchor job in Youngstown, Ohio. Youngstown? Did you live there too? I know, <laughs> but I've been there. I would not move there. I'm just saying. No offense to anybody in Youngstown, but I loved it there though too. Did I you really? Did. You know, we were driving Randy and I, Randy took me over to Youngstown. I, I don't this was maybe during an interview. I was gonna have an interview. There was a second interview. And he drove me over there and we were driving into town right around rush hour. And there was no rush hour traffic. I'm thinking, well, this is odd. You know, what, what's going on here? But it was such a heavy 
um, still mill factory induced area and city. And it really went through a tough time when those mills shut down and thousands and thousands of people lost their jobs. Yeah. So it was in an era where Youngstown was trying to pick back up. And the yeah. best thing in Youngstown at the time when I ended up working there was Jim Trestle. He was the head coach of the Penguins of YSU. And yeah. what he did, not just for that university, but for that entire city and the whole, whole Mahoning Valley, he gave it so much more life again. And I love that he's back there as the president of that university because I do too. they can't embrace a better ambassador and what he's done to the university. I don't know if you've seen it lately. Oh my gosh. He's moving mountains there. And I'm really happy for everybody in Youngstown, the university and, and everything around it because they're great salt of the earth people as well. And Jim Trestle is just the, the best. Yeah. He is. The best. He, he absolutely 100% is the best. I don't know any other way to put in it, but he, he is. Great. And if you ever meet him, if, if anyone watching has met Jim Trestle, you would feel the same. And he would remember your name. He could meet you once and he would remember your name years down the line. Just I used to live, I used to live right next door to him. I'm kidding. Of course no. you did. <laughs> no, I didn't. I'm... <laughs> I totally believed you. You said, of course you did. <laughs> it would not surprise me. No, I've never met him. I, he's one of my heroes, though. I love that man. He's incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. So, okay. Now you're in Youngstown. Now I'm in Youngstown. At what affiliate? This was ABC, WYTV at the time. I think now they've converged. They've kind of joined forces with some of the different affiliates up there. Okay. But at the time, it was strictly ABC, WYTV. Um, worked for a wonderful general manager. His name was Ray Maselli. And my news director there was Tom Mock. And uh, Tom was kind of scruff and rough and you never knew what you were kind of getting with Tom, but uh, and good, you know, he knew the news business and he knew what he wanted. And his, his famous line was he hated long sound bites. And if anybody had a long sound bite in a story, he'd say, and they're still talking, they're still talking. That was basically his way of saying, cut that sound bite up. He hated so, what, so tell everybody um, for the lay people um, what a sound bite is. I'm sorry. Yeah. So a soundbite, whenever you're watching the news and you're seeing an interview done, that little portion of what they what they use for TV. Let, let's say we would sit and interview someone for maybe 10, 20, 15 minutes. Right. And you take a little maybe 30 second sound from that entire interview. And that's what, what you want to use for your story to air on TV that little 30 second or 10 second or 45 second or in yeah. Tom Mock's case that he hated a minute, no, whatever that little <laughs> chunk of sound is a sound bite. Perfect. Perfect. So, so you were, how long did you stay there? I stayed there hmm, about, hmm, what was that about? Maybe 15 months. Not quite, I, I think about a little over a year um, was going to probably stay longer Ray Maselli, who I loved, was the general manager, and I loved him. He was, oh, man, if anybody knew the business, he knew the business. And he, I just had a really great relationship with him. Well, he left. And, you know, you when you are at a news station, you are 
at liberty of whoever is in charge, right? Like if, if a general manager really likes you, you're golden. If a general manager wants to bring in their own people, you could be on the chopping block. So this new general manager came in and it was a woman and I had never worked for a woman before. And I don't know how everybody watches this, watching this right now feels about the difference of working for a man and working for a woman. There is a difference. And there was definitely a difference in this case. And she came in just fired up and ready to prove, prove, prove to the world that she belonged here. And, you know, I think when you have a woman boss, one of the biggest differences that a woman can bring to the table is compassion, you know, being able to just, I don't know, um, use your emotion and your, your compassion to relate. Feminine, feminine energy. It is what it is. But she pushed that to the side and she wanted uh. to make sure to be known, listen, I can work in a man's world. So she mm -hmm. wanted to come in and just change everything. And what we were doing was awesome. It was remarkable. It was, it was working, but she yeah. wanted to make this, um, this TV station a lot like Pittsburgh. Well, Youngstown and Pittsburgh aren't the same, but she had come from Pittsburgh. So she wanted to have all this traffic all the time. And I'm like, traffic? There is no traffic really in Youngstown. Nobody has a job here. Relax. She wanted these traffic reports. So she wanted to take myself and the other anchor. We were, it was Steve Shenevy, who's absolutely kicking butt right now in Washington and winning all kinds of award as a journalist. Um, wow. He, she, she wanted to take us to and find us new jobs. She didn't want to get rid of us. She wanted us to just do different things and, and, uh, and change the morning show completely. And I'm like, huh. That's the only reason why I moved to Youngstown was to do this morning show. So then again, I got tapes and I thought, well, I'll take two weeks. I'll take my two weeks vacation, hit the pavement and start delivering tapes again. And was this close to taking a job in Toledo. And finally, you talk about fate and destiny and things happening for a reason. Remember, I told you that I'd knock on the door when I was working in Delaware, working yep. in Lima, working in Youngstown, whenever I never heard anything from Columbus TV stations. Finally, Within this two-week time period where I really needed, needed to find something, Channel 4's news director called and said, wow. can you go in my office? And I was like, oh my gosh, after all these years, wow. you know, to finally hear something. Um, Jim Sanders was his name and he's passed away since. But what a great news director he was too. Loved working for him. And I think everybody loved working for that man. So wow. to realize that someone of, of his expertise and his he had so much respect in the business was interested in little me at my home. What I've been trying to get to for all these years, I was overjoyed. I hung up that phone. I was at my parents' house because I was, you know, those took those two weeks off from work to really try to find something. And I, had, right. I remember having to call Toledo CJ Butane was that news director's name. And I called him up and I said, I am so sorry. I'm not going to be able to take that job. You know what he said? He said, you landed something in Columbus, didn't you? I said, I did. He goes, I totally understand that's your home, you know, go for it and good luck. Wow. So cool. So, so you, cool. Did, did you like when, when, so when channel four called, when, um, when he called, like, did you know you had it or did you have to go? You know, I hung up that phone at my parents' house and honestly, can I just start crying a little bit because I was so happy because I didn't, you know, they wanted me at Youngstown to, to report three days of the week and do weekend weather. And I'm like, that's not, that's not what I want to do. That's not what I want my career path to be, you yeah. know? And so I knew news directors don't call like that unless they're really interested. So I, I, I just had a really good feeling. And then when I went to his office and we interviewed, I had an even better feeling. 
And then, you know, he called shortly after that interview and, and, and got the job and was they were short staffed at the time. I was hired along with two other people, Alan Cohen and Bill Safos, and I were all hired on the exact same day, but we started at different days. And it was it was it was life changing for me because I got to go home. I got to wow. be on TV right, right where I grew up, where all my family is, my friends are. And it was super cool. And, and I, uh, I never, ever once, never once took it for granted. I loved it. I loved all the stories. You know, I was never your best hold the mic in the face of, of someone in tragedy. You know, I never wanted to be that hard news reporter because I always felt like, you know, news business in this world, we all need a little more good news. We need to know that there's good people and good things happening in the cities that we live in. Why throw all this doom and gloom in people's well, that, faces. That explains why you never worked for CNN. <laughs> no, yeah, no. You know, that's funny you say that because so many people have, you know, ambition to go to the top three markets, you know, work in New York or Chicago or LA or wherever, or get to a network affiliate, whatever, or, you know, CNN, Fox, yeah. whatever. I didn't. Right. My goal was to come home to Columbus because of my family and my friends. And this is where I wanted to be. This is where I wanted to raise a family. So um, not to say sound cliche-ish, but really when I walked in the doors of Channel 4, I, my, my, dream, my dream was done. You know, I had, I, it was awesome. It was a great feeling. So, so you, you know, you meet your husband in Lima. Mm -hmm. You said it was six years later that you got married. Yeah. And, and then you end up over in... Youngtown. Yeah. Now, did he follow you? It's a good question. Wouldn't you? No, I'm just. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. No. So Randy is, and you've never met Randy, but Randy is the best person I could have ever in my life ended up with. And I honestly feel that if I didn't marry Randy, I don't know if I would have ever gotten married because I don't think there's ever been anyone that could come close to being so compatible with me. We are so much alike, but then we're so different too. You know, I, and he always says, Mindy's the front of the room. She likes the attention. She loves the blah, 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 talk to everybody. And Randy likes to be low key, but he loves to talk too. Um, so Randy was living in Cincinnati when I was living in and working in Lima. He was coming through to visit his family when Vince Coza was doing that story with him when we first met. And this is his line, you know, he, he goes back to Cincinnati and I didn't know if he'd call or not, you know, guys tell you one thing and you just never know. But I didn't date a lot either. I never really had boyfriends. I was always around my friends. I didn't date a lot. So I didn't know if he'd call or whatever. So then he calls and his line was, hey, if I ever come back through town, you want to get together sometime and shag some balls? Because <laughs> they were doing a story on him making this professional softball team. So they had to get video of him hitting bombs. I had my softball mitt in my car. So oh I was back God. there catching, you know, fly balls. And he was like, huh, that girl's in like a suit dress out there catching flies. So that oh was his line. <laughs> so yeah, so I moved to Youngstown. He was still living in Cincinnati at the time. And he would come visit me from Cincinnati all the way up to Youngstown. Well, then he ended up getting a job in education in Youngstown. And he got his own little place that he shared with a roommate, Jason McRae. So they had their little place. I had my place. I had my roommate and that was my German shepherd, my dog, Guy Lowe, and he was with me through everything. Um, and so Randy got the job and he worked at this school and it was basically a school between real school 
and juvie. So this was the next stop for these kids before they get thrown in juvie. And he was told, Mr. Quartercracks, don't have long hair and don't wear a tie because kids will grab it and kids will grab it because he was working with, you know, yeah. um, kind of rough and tough kids. Wow. But he was a difference maker to those kids. He really changed some little lives in that short amount of time. But then I got my job in Youngstown and he's like, well, I ain't staying here. I mean, I got my job in Columbus. He's like, yeah. well, I'm not staying like, here. So I'm he ended up getting a job at Bishop Hartley and uh, oh, wow. been there ever since. Yeah, he's the head varsity boys basketball coach. He's the dean of students. And he is, I can't say enough great things about my husband. And I know it's, it's, he's, he's great. And he That's puts so up with me hard. and I'm not easy to be putting up with. <laughs> that is so awesome i love that story i've seen pictures he looks tall he is six six at one point he was six six two ninety i mean his job was to travel around the country for this professional softball team the men of steel and basically just hit bombs that was his job really he put his he got his degree in education but he put all of that on hold until he started working up in youngstown and then here at hartley because he got paid so well traveling the country playing slow pitch softball. I had to oh explain that to my dad. My dad's like, wait, he does what? What? <laughs> my dad wasn't buying it, you know? And I, and, and Randy's going to be so embarrassed. But when I first met Randy, he had like $37 in his bank account because yeah. money, but he'd spend it. He'd spend it on everybody else or just, you know, do everything. He just, what do you mean save? I don't have to save. So I always tell people Randy's had two lives. VM, an AM or Mindy <laughs> and after Mindy. Because oh <laughs> I am God. like, save, save, save. I hate to spend money. And Randy was like, oh, he'd buy everybody drinks in the bar. And he's, he's yeah. a gold person. So uh, when, so you got, you get, you get back to Columbus, you start at Channel Four. Yep. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm not making this, I don't watch the news. I haven't watched it in probably 13, 14 years. It's depressing. Um, what? It's depressing now. It's it's yeah, I, like if it was good news, I would I would you know. So, but when I watch the news, the only channel I would watch is Channel Four. Why? Uh, why? Yeah. Um, I don't want to get political, but uh, I'll go there a little bit. I'm I'm you know I I'm pretty conservative, and in my opinion, um. Channel Four leaned more conservative than than the other networks in in Columbus. So oh, it's interesting. Um, I thought that's that's the way I felt. Um, so you know, although I I know that you know, well back then, fifteen plus years ago, yeah. there was a little less um, bias in, involved, and and you know, the it was the news used to be a lot more objective you know, back in the Walter Cronkite days. And, um, but anyway, so that's just an opinion, only my opinion, but, um, no, so you're so right though. News has changed so much. Oh. It used to be, you know, you'd have an anchor or a reporter and they didn't have a dog in the fight. You didn't know which side they were on. Now yeah. you have entire networks devoted to one side or another. And yeah. it really changed the landscape and, and it really shouldn't be that way. You really, you know, if, if you are representing a TV station and you're representing that network, you really shouldn't, uh, let people know. You should let the, the viewers decide. 
take yeah. a story and let them decide how they feel about it. But now you, you look at, like I said, entire networks are just, they've chosen. They, you know what, what dog in the fight that they're in. You know, you know what side they're on and they will leave stuff out. They will only cover one side of a story. It's just crazy anymore. It is crazy. It, it is. And, and, you know, you see some that are the, the flip flop and yeah, anyway, I, yeah, I just, so I don't watch the news. I just do my own research and, 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 you know, um, and I try to, I try to find the, the, the most unbiased, um, you know, because the truth is always somewhere in the middle. It, it seems like, you yeah. know, um, so, so you're, you are a, um, you, you, you go to channel four, you're a journalist, um, you're, you know, um, doing your thing, but what do you think, I mean, what are some of your favorite moments being on air and some of the things, cause you've done so many different segments and I know you had the, um, the Mindy and Marshall show. I think my wife did, did a lot of different things with Marshall, um, back in, back in the day. I don't, I don't know, like with the Ohio state fair. Um, but like, what are some of your favorite moments over the years of being on channel four? Well, as we mentioned with Tom McNutt, you know, and, and I loved the weekend mornings. It was a perfect fit for me because I wanted to introduce and produce good stuff, good fun, you know, people would say fluffy. And for some news journalists, they wanted to stay away from that because it hurt their reputation. You know, that well, I don't want to be known as the fluff reporter. Well, I did. I enjoyed the good news, the positive news. So that's what was the beauty of weekend mornings. Marshall and I worked, Marshall McPeak and I worked together for like 10 years. And at that point, the only other anchor team that was together longer, I think we were third in town. I think it was Cabot Colleen, Andrea Camburn and Dave Kaler, and then Marshall and I, we had worked together for 10 years on a weekend morning show. It was pretty amazing to be together for that long of a time. Yeah, but that's we crazy. had fun. We had fun so many times in life. People think you've got to give them, you know, such serious stuff. We can't, but we, no, no. So we would let our hair down. We would joke. We would laugh. We would have Tom McNutt. We'd do home improvement stuff. You know, it was just very, very enjoyable. But by far, one of my favorite things that I did at Channel 4, we called them Buckeye Bios, where because I had such a great working relationship with Jim Tressel, yeah. I remember, you know, contacting him and saying, you know what, we've got to do something as far as it was his, I believe it was going to be his third year. You know, he just won the national title his second year. Can you believe that? Looking back at that now, the man comes to town, which no one, so many people were like, Jim Trussell, Ohio State's going to hire a nobody, a Jim Trussell from YSU. <laughs> when I knew, you know, I was in contact with him through that whole coaching searching episode. And I was like, you need to be the one. You need to be the one. And I would let him know, hey, Glenn Mason's in town. They're interviewing him, you know, and I would let him know. And and I'll never forget my phone rang the, the day he got introduced as the coach. You know, the day it went out there and he said, wake up, Mindy, we have recruiting to do. And I'm like, oh. I am friends with the Ohio State football coach. This is more important than being friends with the United States American president. <laughs> so I had a great working relationship with Press. And we, I said, you know what? A lot of these, you just graduate a lot of these seniors, you know, you just won the national title, but you've got these younger kids coming up. Why don't we do something called Buckeye Bios where you let me interview all of your new seniors? And wow. I love the idea. So the summer before leading into the fall, right before they would go to camp, 
they, he would send over every senior would come to the station and I would sit down and interview them and we would call them Buckeye Bios. And we didn't talk X's and O's. We didn't talk about football life for them. We talked yeah. about everything else because my whole point to Jim was, you know what, these guys are so much more than just football players. Let's show everyone what else they do. So, you know, we had people singing and playing a guitar. They were wow. chefs, they were artists. They were just, you know, relatively good guys. And we wanted to showcase those personalities. I love doing those Buckeye bios. We would run them every Saturday before the game. So I was dressed in all my scarlet and gray and we'd pick a different player for each Saturday. But you also had Saturdays leaning up to the season because let's say where there were 15 seniors, yeah. you know, we'd have to go back 10 games to five. You know, we'd start five weeks before the season started and we'd anticipate and grow into the season with each Buckeye bio. And we'd pick one for each Saturday. And that was awesome. And then, of course, getting to go and travel and cover the national championship. How could that not be one of my most favorite moments when yeah. I got to be, you know, there and covering the national championship? But almost a little bit better, my favorite game I ever covered was when Ohio State was ranked one and Michigan was ranked two, and they played in the horseshoe. Mm. The winner was going to go to the Rose Bowl. And that was, to me, that was the national championship that day. Yeah. And I got to be on the, the ground of the horseshoe covering that as well. So those moments were outstanding. And, and of course, just meeting everybody. I remember interviewing Jack Nicholas's wife, Barbara, and walking away from that interview and thinking, oh my gosh, that's one of the nicest people I've ever talked to. So just interviewing good-hearted, nice people. I didn't like interviewing jerks. You know, I don't, I didn't have time to, you, you can tell right away. Yeah. Regis Philbin. I had to interview him and I did not like him very well. Cause he was mean. Regis. He was mean to me. I've heard that he is not very nice. I've he heard wasn't, that. Yeah. but you know what? He's a huge Notre Dame fan. And I interviewed him. This is my Youngstown days. And I interviewed Regis. He came to town for something. And I had a Buckeye pin that played the fight song. And I played that for him. He got so mad. And he's like, oh, we're going to take you down this year. Maybe that's why he didn't like it. I was going to say, maybe, maybe you started off on the wrong foot. Just to kind of break the ice and be funny. Hey, we're college football fans. You like the yeah. Irish. I like the Buckeyes. But uh, yeah. didn't go over well. I've heard that he he's not. Yeah. So is he still around? Is he still alive? No, I have. I don't know. We should know that, right? We should. Is Regis still? Let me, let me, I can Google it. I can ask Alexa. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Wow. I really don't know if he. I don't know. Shame Alexa, on is Regis Philbin still alive? <laughs> but you know what, Ken? You and I are the same age and our memory goes, right? He, he, 53. Died. he died on July 24th of 2020. How did we not know? We forget. I get, I'm so forgetful anymore. Well, July, 2020, there was a lot going on. Yeah. Now I feel bad though, because I said he wasn't very nice. <laughs> now, he's, now he's probably going to haunt me somewhere. <laughs> Alive or dead. If he wasn't nice, he wasn't nice. Oh, I mean, no, but you never supposed to speak about ill, you know, people who have passed away. Talk ill of them. You didn't know. So now you know, and you won't do it again. So no, um, Regis so, was a great person. I loved interviewing him. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, like you, so you've done, and what, what I think is really cool too, is um, being in the media, 
you get a front row seat to so many yeah. amazing things. Yeah, you like, do. And backstage seat, you know, to just about anything. I know you've emceed a, a lot of big, big events, and um, I'm sure you've been on stage at the biggest arenas and concerts and, you know, all of the amazing things. I remember my wife and I went down. I'm friends with one of the, the head violinists from um, – from um ah the christmas orchestra uh here's uh, our memory again <laughs> i know god 53 it's gone already i know um, trans-siberian orchestra oh yes yeah and and so we got vip access and all that and and so we were down at nationwide and and a couple years ago when they were here and 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 i remember all of the like local news media came out on stage and I'm like, what the heck? Really? Why are they on stage? And I'm sitting in the audience. This and you're not. Cool. Yeah. What the heck? But, but it's really cool. The access that you get to things that, that, you know, um, it's just, it's pretty amazing. It is. It is. It's, yeah. it's, 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 uh, but you have to take it in stride. And that's why, you know, anytime someone reaches out to ask, can you MC this? Can you do this? Can you do that? Can I, my, my whole career, I have tried to do as much as I can, you know, for whoever I can, you know, my, my favorite are always the animal, you know, the animal shelters that raise money for animals, things like that, because I love, love animals. That's probably my number one, but uh, yeah, and I, I'm doing something on October 16th for a magical moment foundation where great people, you know, he's the chief of plastic surgery and constructive surgery at children's hospital. And him and his wife have created this foundation because they found a gap between, you know, there's a lot of Make-A-Wish foundations for terminally ill children. Well, there's kind of the gap that these kids with facial differences have kind of been forgotten about. So because he's in reconstructive surgery, he has created this organization to give gifts of anything of of magical moments to these children and it's a brand new it's only been around a little over a year and um so they're having a fundraiser at carfania is the new carfania is here in columbus and so they're having a magician come in and they've asked if i would MC it and and it's like you look at people who are so passionate about doing good things in life how can i say no you know yes of course i want to be involved in that i want to help as well i want to uh there's some good things and, and great people doing awesome things. And yeah. for them to think of me and to ask me to help at a night like that, I'm all in. That is amazing. I, you know, I'm really kind of surprised that you and my wife aren't like best friends. We might. Absolutely. If, 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 if we had it her way, we would have a house filled with rescue dogs. Like, I mean, we uh, we have two rescue dogs right now. They're both golden retrievers, um, and, and because her heart's like that, she's been. She said right here. I don't know if you. When I was the, she was the marketing director at City Center Mall. Remember City Center? Oh my gosh! Yes. Yeah, we sponsored Red, White, and Boom. Love being at the AEP for the VIP party. Yeah. How did you guys meet? Um, I definitely out kicked my coverage um so a gal a gal that used to work for jill at city center um her husband was we were good friends they kind of introduced jill and i 
and and yeah so and now we we run our our business together we have for years so yeah that's we, awesome that's yeah awesome. i love her heart and i always thought if, if people were more like dogs can you imagine how unbelievable this world would be i mean <laughs> seriously I gotta tell you, this is funny. My wife's father, the first time I met him, we're we're out on her the deck of her home. She had this huge log home in Sunbury. And so, so like we're out on the deck, and she goes, her her dad goes, Let me he was a big, you know, big man. And he says, Let me tell you something about my daughter. If there was a car accident out on the road and People were flung out of the car and a dog was flung out of the car. She would run to the dog first. <laughs> I am that same way. I'll find myself if I'm walking down a path and I see somebody, you know, just walking a dog, I'll say hi to the dog. I'm like, hey, bud. <laughs> I, I, and then I catch myself. I'm like, oh, hi, nice dog. No, but I'm always <laughs> right ready to say hi and pet the dog before I say hi to the person. Oh my God. That is exact. That's the exact same way. She, I, and I'll be like, Babe, there's people too. <laughs> like, Seriously, think about a dog's life. Think about what they get. They're genuinely your best friend, no matter what. And I compare my, I have four dogs right now. You've probably heard them upstairs running around oh, a little yeah, bit. I've heard them. Yeah. Um, they never argue with me. As soon as I ask them to do something, they do it. They're just so full <laughs> of life. And I mean, it's like, I can't compare them to my kids because I'd like my dogs better than my kids because yeah, my kids argue with me. I have to ask them 5,000 times to do something and they may still not do it, but oh you no know, dogs are just, you know, it was once described to me, you could accidentally drop a knife on a dog or, or kick the dog to the curb. And you know what? That dog would be right back yeah. in your corner in an instant because they love you, love you, love you unconditionally yeah that's so Look true what you said i know, I know. names the neighborhood not the people <laughs> it's she's yeah. not kidding she no, is definitely and me we're gonna we're gonna hook up well i i love what you're what i mean i just love everything you've done everything you're doing i know now you're you're um you're anchoring is it anchoring the spectrum yeah. i fill spectrum? in every once in a while in fact they they um, asked me to to fill in tonight, but I they had an emergency and they and I can't do it because I'm hosting a meet the candidates night for Olentangy City School District for their school board people who are uh, school board. So I had I and I hate saying no because the people that I've worked with at Spectrum are unbelievably kind, and a lot of them are very young. So I walk into the newsroom like, hey, mom's here. <laughs> No, I don't really, but I feel like that because I'm so much older than everybody, but they're so great. And so every time they ask me to fill in, in an instant, uh, I love everybody there. They're outstanding. So yeah, it's been fun. It's been fun to get back on the horse, you know, to, yeah, you know, and it is kind of like riding a bike again. You don't forget it once you've done something for so long and then you don't do it anymore. And then you get asked to do it again. You know, yeah. I was like, I wonder if I can still do this, but yeah, it's been fun. And I, the, anytime they call and ask me to fill in, I am there in an instant because they're great people. You know, I used to play on a men's league baseball team when I lived in West Virginia um, and, and it was, it was um, all of my teammates on my team were all local news media people. My best friend was the, the, the main anchor with NBC down there. 
And, and so he asked me to play on this team and I'm like, sure. I mean, I played in high school. I, I'm sure I, I'll do great. Not, not against like these guys that are semi pro pitchers throwing 90 mile an hour fastballs. And wow. so anyway, the, um, I had a point behind all of this. Um, there goes I, our memory again. There I know what work. the heck. Uh, when you were talking about, I'm talking about how nice the people were at Spectrum. It's good to be back on the bike and get. Oh, yeah. So, so I used to like, I used to drink a lot. I don't drink anymore, but I would get with these guys. And, and this one, there was this one guy that was, um, he did, he did sports and, and, and weather once in a while. And he was real arrogant and cocky. And I, I finally, I was, I'd had a couple of extras <laughs> that night. And, and I said, dude, shut your trap oh you you look at a camera and read a teleprompter like you're not that special and, and i said i said this is guy and he you know whatever and then i years later i'm reading a teleprompter i'm making a i'm doing a video and i have this teleprompter and, and i was like this is freaking difficult like oh. reading it like this is really really hard I'm used to doing like just, you know, off the cuff and we reading a teleprompter is not easy. Seriously. And if you don't believe me, go try it. It's not easy to do and deliver it properly without you look like you're, you're reading a teleprompter. So I, I, my hat's off to anybody that can do that. It's amazing. Really? Oh, hmm. Yeah, I guess just because I've done it for so long, my biggest thing is, and and the people at Spectrum are, are starting to realize this. And I would drive, you know, back at Channel Four during the weekend mornings. Marshall and I, and and even Harrison, we would ad lib so much. You know, you'd have the story, yeah. but I'd always add things before the story, or in between the story, or after the story. And you know, everything's timed. You got to keep things going on time to hit your commercial breaks. Yeah, and poor my poor, the poor producers and directors that kill pages thirty three through thirty four because Dreyer just keeps going on, you know. Because I didn't want to just <laughs> read the news to people; I wanted to talk to people. I wanted it to be conversational. So even you know now when I'm filling in at Spectrum, I'll add a little bit of uh, just ad living to it, and and they haven't said anything. I don't think they mind too much yet, but I'm not doing you know overboard. But see, that's, that's, that's in that you're delivering a real experience. I tried. That's what I, that's what I enjoy. Yeah. I don't want to just yeah. rip and read because everybody except for Ken could do that. You know, <laughs> no, I want no. to relate the story to people. Right. Yeah. I mean, if it was, if, if I had to read a story about a house fire that killed children, oh. how can I just read that? Like, you know, in Lima today, this happened. No, you know, my, my experience was, Oh my gosh, you guys are not going to believe this story. Listen to what happened in Lima, you know? So yeah. I kind of presented it that way just because that's how I felt. So I kind of mixed in a little bit of emotion with yeah. delivering the news because I didn't want to be a robot, right? We're people, we are humans. How can you not feel something when you're delivering those type of stories? And the worst can, and I know your wife would agree, when I, anytime I had to read an animal abuse story, in fact, the producers would know, don't give this one to Mindy. It's going to break down, you know, because I, ah. Uh, a what? What story? An animal abuse. It's oh, God. And killed an animal and, you know, and mm. I couldn't do it. I couldn't, it just, it just tore at me. And then when I became a mom 
and you uh, had to read cases of missing children or uh, child abuse stories, you know, everything changed then too. But yeah, I mean, I was never ever a journalist who was a robot. I, I felt the stories when I would read them and I knew that whoever I was reading them to, they had to be feeling the same way. And that's how I tried to deliver the news. And, and you've done it beautifully over all of these years. And I, I, I completely under, do you know the, the song um, Don Henley did called dirty laundry? Yeah. Yep. Do you know why he, he wrote that song? It was for the news business. It yes, was, but it was because his wife cheated on him with some reporter or something. Or, no, I, I didn't know that part of it. And he, he oh, wrote this no. Yeah, but it was, you know, a, a lot of that is true about a lot of, like, they can get on and, and be very robotic, showing no emotion. can understand and, it. And, and yeah. you miss, I think that if you do that, you miss the connection with the, the audience. Right. That's why right. when I'm doing this show, first off, it's the internet and it's my show. So we can go all day if we want. I don't, I, there's no time limit. I don't, you know, I try to keep it around an hour or so, but I don't have like, you know, whatever. But, you know, that's why I, I always include audience comments like Lori Whitney saying it's hard to not show, you know, I try to include the audience in these shows because it just, makes a deeper and better connection, you know, relatability, it's relatability. And, yeah. and, you know, yeah. it would drive me crazy because I love central Ohio and I love our entire state, yeah. um, grew up here and it, it, everything means so much to me here that I always, it always kind of bothered me when I would see people come to town just to get themselves a good resume tape and move on. Like the city didn't really mean anything to them. You know, and then they they wear their scarlet and gray just because they felt like they had to. They didn't really love the Buckeyes. They didn't. There were so many people that came to town through that. And I thought, uh, it's not real. It's not real. Wouldn't you rather be presented the news to someone who is heartfelt and yeah. real and compassionate instead of someone who's just looking for their benefit to get that good resume tape so they can leave town and move on to something bigger? You know, and yeah. that always bothered me. Yeah, that that that's that's sad. I think it's pathetic a little bit. <laughs> oh, I get it. I get it too. I get people want to move on and 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 that, but you know, it's just. Columbus I, guess is a, I, I mean, it's it, in Columbus. Is Columbus in the top ten, twenty? No, last oh. time I looked, Columbus was in the thirties, either thirty-one or thirty-three, as far oh, as no. top news. Yeah, which really isn't bad. No, it may be in the twenties now, but I don't. I haven't looked in a while. I haven't really had a reason to. Right. Well, now my daughter, she's at Ohio State right now. She's a softball player at Ohio State. Yeah. My son is a baseball player at Otterbein. And they're both, my son was a year older than Cammie. Kylan was born in um, 2001 as my first kid. And then wow. Cammie was born in 2002 as my second kid. Wow. So he's going to be 20 years old this Friday on October 8th. And she'll be 19 uh, after on October 15th. But she wants to get into this business and the sports end of it. She wants uh, to work for ESPN or something like that. And and she's already, you know, had internships and she's she definitely has a personality for it, I'm sure. But, you know, you have to have thick skin. And eventually, if she really wants to continue to do this and go down this path, I'll have to tell her that. I'm going to say, listen, be ready for all kinds of criticism. 
Some people won't like your hair. They won't like what you wear. I was told I was too tan for TV. I mean, I, so many things. They don't, it's never what you're saying. It's your appearance that people will come down on for you, you know? Wow. <laughs> That's terrible. Oh, it's so true. But I know, I, I, I know. And, you gotta, you have know gotta have thick skin. And, 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 and here's the, here's the one thing that, um, my, my, my buddy Grant Cardone says, um, you know, who's a billionaire, the guy's got, you know, everything. And, and he's like, he's like, you're never going to make it without haters. If you don't have haters, you're not going to make it like you're not doing enough. You need to do more. If you don't have haters, you're not doing enough. And, and it's like, it never really made sense to me because I want everybody to like me and love me. Like I don't, we all do. I don't, that's human nature. Yeah, right, right. But you're going like you can't please everybody. It's not possible. That's right. You just have to... You're so right. You just said a mouthful. And man, when people in any industry, I don't care if it's TV news, I don't care if it's teaching, yep. being a doctor, whatever, you're never going to please everybody. You're not not but as long as you know in your heart that you're doing the right thing and that that should be really it in a nutshell. Yeah, I want to I want to cover, um, you know, you're you're a best selling author. Why do you say that? I'm not really a best selling. Oh, I thought you hit the bestseller list on my publisher's website. Yeah, a bestseller well, there published. So I guess you can say did, that. Did any of your books make make it to the top 100 on Amazon? I have no idea. I don't oh even know how to look that stuff up. Fire your publisher. Um, so <laughs> I wrote these books because this, you know, we talk about heart and putting yeah. yourself out there and being real. That's yeah. why I wrote these books. And anytime well, someone gets them, and you know, because you write books and you're writing another one now, but you don't write these books so no one reads them. You want the world to read your words. You want the world to know what was in your mind and what was in your heart and what you put down on paper. And so anytime someone says, Mindy, can I get a copy of Gilo or The King or Dear Mom? Oh, it makes you feel so good. I want to sell hundreds of them. Yeah. Thousands, hundreds of thousands, hundreds well, of thousands. If that would ever happen, then, you know, okay. Yeah. I, I can't see that happening because I would love for that to happen, but I don't, I wouldn't even know where to begin to do that. Well, so, so, you know, I, I want to, so you wrote in the, in order, Gilo, let's start there and then we'll okay. go to the King and then let's start with this real quick. Um, okay. Why this was your first book and why? What What made you wake up? Did you wake up one day and go, I'm going to write a book about my dog? Isn't he beautiful? Look at that. He's thing. beautiful. Beautiful. Ah, I love, love, love. Mwah. Because part of the business in when you're a journalist, hopefully you're writing stories. You're not just on the screen telling the stories, you're writing them. And that was also one of my favorite parts. It was meeting people, interviewing people, and then writing their stories. I love to write. And I always knew someday I would want to write books. I want to somehow write. And then when I looked at my life with Gilo, he was such a huge part of my life. And we talked about faith and destiny. Yep. Gilo was part of my life right when I needed him the most, right when I was moving away from home for the very first time and I needed something to go with me because I yeah. was leaving home, I was leaving everybody. That's when I got Gilo as a puppy. And he was with me my entire time through Lima in Youngstown 
And then when I moved home to Columbus, it's like his job was done. He left me. And and I only had him for six years. Wow. So, and, 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 and you look at that and you thought, you know what? That was God sending me my guardian angel when I needed somebody to be with me when I wasn't home. And I was nowhere near ready for Gilo to leave me. You know, it was, oh my gosh, terrible, mm. terrible. And I had to be, um, I had to go to Channel 4. It was the first, I can't remember exactly if it was the first day I was doing a story or maybe just there meeting people when I had to, when he passed away. And I had to go into that station not knowing anybody, not knowing mm. that my heart was just literally ripped in two. And I had to kind of put on a front just to say, I didn't want to burden them. I didn't yeah. want to, you know, my dog just died. You know, I didn't want to be like that. So I had to just kind of put on a front that day when I was meeting everything. It was the first day at four. It was either the first day at four or the first day I had to do a story. It was one of those days because then I remember walking out of those doors and walking to my car just sobbing. But Aww. I really did it because I wanted people to understand, you know what, you're not alone if you have that great relationship with a dog or a pet like your wife does. Um, you're not alone. Other people feel that way. There's those strong bonds. But then I also want people to realize that so many people, when their dog dies, they say, oh, never again. I'll never have another dog. Well, I don't want people to feel that way because if right. you felt that way, think of all the dogs that would go unwanted and without homes. And yeah. then you're cheating yourself out. If you have that much love to give, if it hurt that much to lose your pet, then that's how hard you loved. And then wow. you should be able to love again like that. So that was my whole reason for sharing my story that it was, there's so many things that happened there that was fate. It was destiny. He was my everything in my life, but it was there for such an important part of time. And wow. when he did his job, because most German shepherds have jobs, his job was done. He got me home. Wow. Amazing. And so Gilo is available on Amazon yeah. for anyone that would like to, and I, my wife, I'm not even sure that Jill knows I have this book. She's going to read it first. <laughs> She's going to, I guarantee it. I was skimming through it last night. There's beautiful, like, people don't realize this, but there's some beautiful color photos in here. Well, Youngstown and, is beautiful. And, Youngstown, the Mahoning Valley and Mill Creek Park and everything. We would, we would go on walks all the time together. Yeah. I would hide and Randy would hold Gilo and I would hide and we'd see how fast he could find me. Because wow. you know, he was my everything. And in Gilo's world, I was his world. And it was just, and that's how most dogs are with their people. And and there's pictures of Mindy with 80s hair. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. I love, I love it. This So so definitely go get a copy of Gilo. You've also written a book called The King. That was your second book. Yeah. Um, let, let's touch on that real quick. So More the color king photos. is my father-in-law and Randy would all, Randy loves his dad. You know, he's such an important role model in his life. Obviously Randy is an administrator. Randy's dad was an administrator. Randy's a high school basketball coach. Randy's dad was a high school basketball coach. Randy doesn't have nearly the amount of wins that his dad is because his dad is the winningest coach in the history of high school basketball, 890 wins. In, in, in Ohio or nationwide? High school in Ohio. More, He has wow. more wins than any high school coach in the history of basketball in the state of Ohio. But he is ranked nationally, too. Wow. But you take and, and so Randy would tell me these stories and I would look at him and I'd be like, 
somebody's got to write this man's life story because he, one of eight kids, Randy is, you know, so there were eight kids in this family and you talk about adversity of going through life's up and downs and as a coach ups and downs, everything you went through, honestly, Ken, this book should be a movie. It's one of those unbelievable movies because you have this top of the line coach winning, winning, winning in life and on the basketball court. And then it comes to a point where people want him to step away. They say he's too old to coach now. He can't relate to his high school kids anymore. Uh... And what does he do? He signs a contract because at the time his wife had passed away. He was battling cancer. He lost a son. And this is all in this book. It's all life's adversities. But the one thing that kept him going and kept him his mind working right and everything was basketball. So they asked him to step away from it. He signed a three-year contract. And at the end of the contract, he would walk away. Well, he dealt with his wife's death. He dealt with his son's death. He was beating cancer. He beat cancer. And he was like, you know what? I'm not ready to walk away yet. But he knew he signed this contract that he had to. So he took this team and they go to the state championship with a team of misfits. Now think of your board of education at Collide of Ohio, where you know you're asking this man to step away and you're cheering for them because you want them to win. But in another sense, you gotta be like, oh my gosh, he keeps winning. How can we ask this man to retire? I'm not gonna tell you what happened in that game, in the championship game, but there was a huge rally of their town all coming together and saying, you cannot ask the king to step down. He's obviously still old or still able to coach no matter how old he is. So the town rallies together and trying to keep his job. Again, I don't want to tell you too many details because, but it's one of those, and it's actually, it's a love story too. It's not just about basketball. It's the love story that he has with his wife and how she passes while they're holding hands in a park. Oh my gosh. You talk about a man who has experienced everything in life and then molding high school lives along the way. It is one of the best real life stories. I was just surprised that no one told it. So I thought, okay, I will. I will do this for him. He's a great man and he's still around. And that was one of the best parts, Ken, is when I would finish a chapter and I would call him up and read it to him to see if it was okay. Cause you gotta get the facts right, right? Yeah, right. (laughs) And I'd say, Randy, what happened? He's like, listen, I can give you some of it but I don't know for sure everything, you know, you gotta call dad. And so I was so happy to do that for him and for the people of Kaleida in Putnam County. Wow. That is, wow. Where that's, a, that's up near Lima, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, that's why. Yeah. Remember Randy was going through since from Cincinnati, going uh, through Lima to go up to Putnam County to visit his family. He yeah. stopped at WLAO to do a story. And that's when I met him. Mm-hmm. And there's, wow. it's a huge, huge family. And uh, wow. even, I just got a letter today from some, one of Randy's former players, because so many of his former players have gotten the king, have gotten this book. And whether you're a fan of high school basketball or, you know, the lives he's touched, it, 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 one, of the, one of these former players, it lives out west right now and he's coming to Ohio and he wants to meet up with the king, Dick Cordacrax, you know, this wow. week. So I got him in touch with Randy's brother, Rick, who, you know, is always with Mr. K. And so they're going to try to reconnect again. And I'm so glad this book is able to have him realize all the lives he's touched. And it's kind of put him back in the limelight because he's signing so many books for people. And it's, 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 it's so cool. I, I am overjoyed to be able to give this little gift to Mr. Quarter Cracks because he's 
earned it. And the way I would love for coaches of today to read it, because you could never get away with some of the ways that Mr. K used to coach that Dick Horton. Yeah. For example, you know, we mentioned this in the book that, you know, anymore, there's huge celebration anytime any high school basketball player makes that thousandth point, right? Yeah. Dick Quartercracks never even let his players know how many points they've scored because it was all about the team, the team, the team, never you as an individual player. And he had one of his players reach a thousand point. This player never knew until graduation when Dick handed him a ball with this, you know, it said a thousand point the day that he made it and he oh never until graduation. So there's so many of those incredible stories in wow. there. Um, and, and you know, here, here, I, I, I want to make a point. Um, like you're telling the story about Dick and the book and with so much passion, just the same level of passion as when you were talking about Gilo. And I love that. Because, it, because that's why I wrote that. I didn't write it just because I was bored one day. Oh, let me write. I wrote it because there's such great stories and they're stories that need to be told. I love People that. People need to read these, you know, just because to feel good about life again and to know that life is tough, but man, you can get through situations. You can, you can fight adversity when people want to knock you down. Yeah. Don't give in and don't give up because sometimes you have to be your own champion, but look at the people in your corners and fight for them, man. Don't let people take away what you love to do. And that's necessarily what the King is about. You know, yeah. it's, it's just, I'm telling you, if I could ever get this thing made into a movie, it'd be huge. Wow. That is, that is incredible. That's incredible. Thank you. We need to, yeah, we, we can talk off, off, <laughs> offline about that. I, I, I know some people. Um, um, I know you don't <laughs> me. And I, and everyone's like, yeah, you need to get this made while Dick Cordacrax is still around. You know, he's in his eighties, yeah. in his upper eighties. You know? Wow. So that, that's incredible. Yeah. So the, the third book that, that you um, wrote, I love the cover of this book, by the way. Thank I love it. And you have no idea how many times I've reached down thinking that was a pen. I do the same thing. My mom does the same thing. You go to grab a pen and it, wait, that's the cover of the book. That's the cover of the book. You said that. Oh my gosh. I've done it. I'll bet you I've done it at least 20 times. Reach down and, like I need I a pen. I'm like, hey, and it's not. But this is the book and it's called Dear Mom. And it's some heartwarming stories from families you will recognize. You'll love what they share by Mindy Dreyer. So, Mindy, talk about this book um, because I know that this um, this one this one is definitely from your heart. Oh, um, so, yeah. talk about Dear Mom. So, it wasn't my idea, and it wasn't my intention to ever write this book. People reached out to me and said, "You did such a good job writing about Randy's dad." and what an inspiration he is. But how can you not write about your own mom and everything that she's gone through and her life as a whole? And I said, you know what? You're right. It's gonna be hard to write about my mom because she is my world. You know, you you look at heroes in life and phew. See, now you're gonna give me all that. Uh, I don't wanna get teary-eyed, you know. Don't, I really don't. But- Well, um, it's okay. You know, God- Everything, Ken, everything. And so she was diagnosed with cancer. Oh my gosh, it's been probably five, six years now. And we're like, what? 
This is the pillar of strength woman who lives her life. Every, everything she does is right. You know, she doesn't drink. She doesn't smoke. She's extremely opinionated. Um, you talk about being a conservative. Whoo! She is misconservative, you know, and yeah. she had her Trump signs out in her yard. Someone stole them. She put them right back. And she's, you know, she's 90, oh my gosh. Now, but she's a feisty 90 year old. And she's, she just, she'll tell you how she feels, Ken, whether you want to hear it or not. That's my mom. <laughs> I love it. Is my my everything, my champion, my hero. And so when someone suggested, why don't you write about her? I knew it would be difficult. But yeah. and then the it just started unraveling. You know, every chapter begins with a letter to her, dear mom, something, you know, something about the way I was raised or the, you know, the family or, or how she grew up, something. But then I didn't want it to end there because it's one thing to just have a story about my mom. This is a collection of so many other mom related stories from moms you will recognize or from kids you will recognize about their moms. For example, um, Karen Kasich writes about what it was like to be the first lady of Ohio raising her twin daughters and stories that no one has ever heard before. But wow. it, she's a great writer too. She did a great job with her passage. Yolanda Harris, the anchor at Channel 10, she wrote about how she always wanted to become a mom but couldn't. So she is a dog mom. And that is so important too. You know, oh, she's at channel 10. Yeah. She, I thought she was on channel six. Where have you been? She, I don't watch the news. Apparently you don't <laughs> No, She's now the main anchor at channel 10. She was at six forever. Channel yeah. 10 brought her over there. Oh. So yeah, she's, she's at channel 10 now, but so there's a chapter being dedicated to dog moms because wow. they're just as important as kid moms, right? And there's a chapter on sports moms. You know, Katie Smith, the Olympian, the Ohio State best basketball player, female ever at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. She writes about what it was like for her mom to sit in the stands watching all those games from little to the Olympics. C. Wow. Grant, one of my favorite Ohio State Buckeye football players ever, he writes about his mom had passed away and how important she was in who, his life. Who was that one again? C. Grant. Okay. Buckeye football yeah. player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, instrumental in when Trestle won that national championship against yeah. Miami. He made that last tackle against Ken Dorsey anyway. And he yeah. sings Farm in Ohio um, like nobody ever does. Uh, one of the most touching, and, and you can't read this passage without just feeling your heart ripping out, is you remember Reagan Tokes, the Ohio State student who was kidnapped, raped, and murdered several years ago? Yeah, you remember we that talked about this. Yeah, yeah. Her mom, Lisa Tokes, wrote a passage in that book in Dear uh, Mom. And I was a little hesitant to reach out to her to see if she wanted to. But I've met her because I've emceed an event for her. Yeah. And we've talked several times. And she was really glad to sit down and write this passage because it kind of helped her. You know, wow. everyone deals with things differently and sit down and write your feelings out kind of helped her. And she wrote this passage for Dear Mom about her daughter, Reagan, on what would have been Reagan's 26th birthday, uh, writing these thoughts as she's walking on the beach, because that was the special time that Reagan Tokes and her mom, Lisa, had together, these beach mm. walks. So she's always looking for a sign to this day, to when Reagan passed away, you know, these years in between, she's always looking for signs because Lisa has done so much trying to change laws and change litigation to make it tougher on criminals. 
um, because of what happened to her daughter. So she's always looking for signs from Reagan to say, you know what, mom, you're doing the right thing. Keep pushing on, keep fighting for justice. So wow. those are just some of the examples in this book that it's uh, you laugh, some hilariously funny stories that moms experience with their kids that so many moms can relate to. And you'll cry because there's so many things that were close calls that people, maybe they had a child, was born, wasn't supposed to live, but yet they wow. did. So you have the triumphs and tribulations of every parenthood's experience in that book. And you don't have to be a mom. Really, I wanted it out for Mother's Day as gifts for mom and yeah. it exploded and I'm so glad it was out. But it, there's just so many stories, whether you are a mom or you have or had a mom, this story will bring back or this book will bring back so many memories. Oh, you, sure it'll you've really got work. Gail Hogan in here. Gail oh, Hogan has a great tribute to her mom. Yeah. Wow. There's Amazing. so many people in there. Oh, and then Jack Hanna's, Jack Hanna's wife and daughter wrote a passage in there about what it was like to raise zoo animals and also their own family and things that happened in their house with animals. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, um, I am so grateful to every single person who wrote a passage in this book, because this book wouldn't be the same if I didn't have all these people contributing to it. And, you know, we all learn from each other, whether it's parenting or life, whatever we go through, yeah. we learn from one another because we're not yeah. on an island in life. We have each other. And when we can read stories like this, yeah, it's great for new moms. To, I'm going to do this in life. You know, it's, it's just, it's great for old moms, new moms, just people in general. And it'll make you realize that what a great job parents, <laughs> parents have in this world. Wow. Everybody go to Amazon. Okay. So I'm an Amazon influencer and I have an Amazon store. I'm going to put all your books in my store. Really? So when, yeah. I'll put them all in there. So when people Aww. go to my store, they'll see these and they'll buy them. So really, um, everybody go get a copy of Dear Mom Aww. today. It sounds... I see. So, I, you know, I have a good excuse, but I got I got your books right before I got COVID, and I, know. I haven't read them yet. So I know um, the, the the debilitating uh, that thing was, but um, gosh, Mindy, I, like I, I, kid. I love that. Wow! And she had her arm amputated at eighty nine years old because of the cancer. This cancer has come back six times. And that's why she's why. And she, let me tell you something. She's going to be 91 at the end of November, lost her arm at 89. And she did not want to, when, when she realized she had sarcoma and that eventually you could lose a limb, she was like, nah, I'm not, they're not taking my arm. If I was maybe in my twenties or thirties, I could learn to live life again yeah. without one arm. But then it came down to, because the cancer kept coming back, it came down to lose your limb or lose your life. So she chose to give up her arm. But let me tell you something. My almost 91-year-old mom is still driving. She's still grocery shopping. She's still with, cooking. She's with still one arm. She is, that's why she's my champion. And my with one arm. With one arm. She's the one, which we call her one arm Carm. <laughs> and the very end of this book, you know, oh I, every chapter starts out with Dear Mom Something. And then all yeah. these people included their their passages. At the very end of the book. She writes, dear kids. Oh, oh my God. Yes. Ah. So anyway, I'm so lucky to have her 
in my life. I'm 53 and to have her fighting cancer, like, like a freaking rock star champion. Wow. She's outstanding. So she's still feisty. I mean, she's still, whew, we'll still argue all the time about whatever mom, this mom, that, but she's wow. wow. Um, yeah, I, I, we've done my wife's brothers had cancer like for 40 some years since he was six. And so we've done a lot. Um, in fact, we were at the Make-A-Wish Gala and Colleen was, um, Colleen Marshall was sitting literally right next to us. She came over and talked to us for a while. So, um, yeah, I, this, wow, I, this has been, quite frankly, I think it's been my favorite interview. Oh, you say no that. No offense to anybody oh, else God. I've interviewed. Say no. that to everybody. Well, it's 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 honestly for me, it's the local connection. It's it's um, and your your heart is just amazing. It's amazing, Aww. Mandy. I am so grateful. I I like. I have two other questions. I'm going to ask him. We have to go fast because we're at an okay. hour and thirty five minutes. Um, See, that's why I did TV. I love I love it. And and again. <laughs> we could go all day, but I, I can't, I've got, a, I've got messages pouring in, but um, so, so Hopefully everybody's wanting to order those books. Hopefully those are all those messages. Yeah. Then go to Amazon, just type in Mindy Dreyer and get her books, all of them. So, so, you know, this is about breaking through, you know, a lot of people go through painful stuff in life and they get st stuck and they stay stuck and then they die. And they were stuck forever. And my question for you that I like to ask everybody is, um, what do you think keeps people stuck in life and, and, and including financially? Cause a lot of people stay stuck financially. Like they, they, they never really make it. And, and, you know, I do believe that money is a key to being happy. <laughs> That's me personally, because I've been broke and I've been on the other end and the other end is way better than broke. I'll just say that. So, um, you know, what do you think, in your opinion, keeps people stuck? A comfort zone by far. I think people don't take enough chances. Um, it's the easy way. It's easy way to stay stuck and right where you are because yeah. It's hard. It's hard to go out there and take a chance and do something different because nobody wants to fail, right? If we don't try to do something, we won't fail. So I think people get stuck because they're not willing to get unstuck. You got to take a chance. You have to create those situations for your lives, for your lives and for yourself. That's uncomfortable, you know, breaking through those barriers and, yeah. and, uh, and letting yourself try, just give it a try. Yeah, you could fail, but at least you tried. So yep. I think people get stuck because of that whole comfort zone. I could have stayed in Lima and lived the good life and just stayed there and never had to never had to worry about ratings because that's the way it was. But that's not right. You can't stay there. You know, you can't stay safe in that little entity. You want to take a step forward and try to expand yourself and go on and see what else life has to offer. So I really think people get stuck because it's easy to stay that way and it's easy to stay safe instead of taking a chance. It's beautiful. I absolutely, totally agree with you. 
Um, you know, I saw the other question I have is is during the whole lockdown and pandemic and and we're still kind of in the middle of a lot of this craziness. Um, you know, um, a friend of mine runs the Ohio um, suicide hotline for the state of Ohio. And and we were talking one day and he's like, man, this is in the middle of the pandemic. He says uh, uh, the numbers have never been higher. They're like four or five times higher than the normal. And and so, you know, a lot of people got to the end of their rope and they gave up. And and I'm always curious to know, like, if 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 you talk to somebody that they're just at the they don't they feel like they've tried everything and they don't know what else to do. What would you say to that person to help them get? Because you and I know it's just it's temporary. It's going to get better. But how do you how, what would you say to somebody like to get them through to the next moment? I guess someone is always there for you. You know, you may feel all alone and, and on our What Matters show that I do on 610, we have one of our monthly sponsors is Open Arms Counseling. And mm. we talk to Ann Hurst every single month about these types of questions. Yeah. And, and, and find somebody or find an organization, something, because I think when people are at their lowest of lows, is when they need to really get up. Sometimes you have to hit rock bottom to really go and get help and 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 create a new. Yeah. I think that one of the lowest times in people's lives is when they feel all alone. No one really is ever all alone. There's always somebody willing to help. And it may not be your neighbor, it may not be a family member, it may not even be someone that you know. But right. there's someone out there willing to help you. You've got to give other people a chance. If, if you know, there's a lot of, of mean, mean spirited, horrible people out there, but I pray every single night and I pray for God too, because I think sometimes God looks at this world right now and the path that so many people are going on and, and the things that are happening. And I just feel like it's not what God intended for so many of these circumstances. So I pray for him and I'm like, I am sorry if this isn't the way it's supposed to be. But I feel like there's someone out there. Yes, there's a lot of mean-spirited people, but our world by far outweighs the good, outweighs the bad by so much it's not even funny. You can't even compare. So yeah. although there's this amount of mean-spirited, horrible, hating people, there's this amount of really good people willing to help. You just have to be willing to let them try to help you. Don't mm -hmm. shut everybody out because you may feel all alone. Life's terrible, this and that, whatever, but it doesn't have to be. You have to have the bravery to take that initial step in the right direction. Amen. Totally agree. Mindy Dreyer, you are a rock star. Thank you. No, I'm not. You I'm are. Really not. And being that humble makes you an even bigger rock star. I'm really not. I mean, I you posted this. I'm like, I really look at myself as a daughter, a wife, a, a mom, a sister, and an aunt. I mean, that's, I, I, I love people, Ken. I love people. I don't care any walk of life that they're in. And the more people I can meet, the better. And that's the honest to God's truth. I, I love people. Well, it, it shows. 
<laughs> it shows you radiate that. So look at what my wife is saying about no. you. You've brightened everyone's day today. That makes me at, feel so good. And Jen says my favorite thing about Mindy is she makes everyone feel special. She has a heart of gold. Because everybody is special. Yes. Everybody is special. And and that's why I liked it. I always have said, if you could drop me in the middle of anywhere, I would tell someone's story because everybody has a story to tell. You know, yeah. I wrote these three books because of three things that have happened in my own life. But everybody's got a story to tell. Everybody. And you're, you, you've, so tell everybody about, because you're also on 610 yeah. WTVN, yeah. which is like, one of the largest AM radio stations in the world. And, and that's so fun. That's so awesome. Like, so tell everybody about your shows real quick. Okay. You have a couple of shows on TVN. Yep. On Sundays, I'm on from two o'clock in the afternoon until six o'clock in the evening. And the first show is relatively new. Boots and I started doing this one just maybe a couple months ago. It's called Raw with Mindy and Boots. And if you know Boots, which is Dan Boots Longinette, he's about as raw as you get. I mean, he, he just lays it on the line, says whatever. Sometimes yeah. I kind of have to, you know, reel him back in a little bit, but it's kind of fun to let him just go, you know. And and I agree with so much of what Boots thinks and says. Um, yeah. And there's other things that we don't agree on. And, and, and a lot of this is on 610 WTVN, most of their hosts, most of their programming you hear on the radio is guys. So this is a different show because you have a guy and a girl and we'll look at different issues, how a guy sees things and how a girl sees things. And then after that is a show that I've been doing now for several years. It's called What Matters with Mindy and Michaela. And that's with Michaela Hunt, who used to also work at Channel 4. She did the Monday through Friday morning shows. Yeah. And this is a different show. We don't really, we try to stay away from politics. Sometimes you have to talk about it a little bit because yeah. it's called What Matters. So we talk about anything that's that matters to you uh, no, across the state, across the country, whatever. And sometimes obviously politics play into that a little bit, but for the most part, we try to stay away from politics. And we talk about really positive, engaging things that matter to you, Ken, or to anybody just willing to listen. And it's a lot of good fun moments in that show. That That's so awesome. And, and my wife's making a great point. You don't have to be in Columbus. You can listen to it on iHeartRadio. Thank um, you. Oh, that's right. With the iHeart app, you can just tell Alexa, yeah. Alexa, play 610 WTVN. And it'll Alexa, play. stop. <laughs> oh, did it? Alexa, play 610 WTVN. <laughs> I, I got I to mute her there. Um, so, and you're going to help me. One of these days, I want you to co host when Michaela um, goes on a vacation or takes a day off or Boots takes a day off. I would love for you to co host with me. I would absolutely, I'd be honored. I would be absolutely honored. You drive down from Marion? I, I, I would drive from Lima. <laughs> oh, okay. So you are amazing. I can't thank you enough. I cannot thank you enough for this interview and for promoting the books. And I, and I know you're with Amazon and you're an Amazon influencer, but if anyone wants to get them directly through me too, I'm more than happy to sign them and mail them out as well. I have a, I have a stash at my house, Ken. That's awesome. That's so awesome. I, I am so grateful for you and the time you've spent today. You have brought a lot of light and joy into a lot of people's lives today. Uh -huh. And that's what this, that's what this is about. I, and, you know, people probably think, you know, like you were saying, is it fake? Is it, for me, this is it. This, like I, I, if I was the typical 
I, I mean, I'm in the top 1% of podcasts in the world. And, 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 you know, I know some people that'd be like, all right, our 30 minutes are up, shut it down. And I'm not like that. I just like, let's just let it flow. And, and, and who, whoever needs to hear it, will hear it. And if you don't need to hear it, then go away. So, <laughs> and by the way, Breakthrough Walls is also available on iHeartRadio and every other major podcast platform in the world. So um, Mindy Dreyer, you you are a rock star in my book. And and um, and who, hold on. Hold, who's Joshua says love being in the studio once. Oh, that's Josh. I love Josh. That's with Miracle Method. He's one of my most favorite. Hi, Josh. I saw I, I actually saw um, I think on your your fan page, I saw you doing a video of Josh. Yes. And his pink shorts. He loves yes, his shorts. <laughs> he is awesome, but he does a great job. He represents Miracle Method. And I tell you what, I, I can't believe people wouldn't use Miracle Method. If you're like trying to do bath or kitchen stuff, they like beat everybody's price and they're, they're just great. I don't want to make a commercial, but seriously, it's it's crazy how many companies are out there. If you look for them, that can really help you out financially. And they're awesome. I used to, I used to work with one of their competitors actually. So I've, I've heard of them. They're, yeah. they're, they're pretty big company. So that's awesome. <laughs> Josh, thanks for being here. Thanks for stopping by. Mindy, thank you. Don't I'm, now I'm going to end the live stream, but I don't want you to click leave studio. Wait, oh. I'm going to end it. And then you and I'll finish up afterwards. Is that okay? Sure. Absolutely. Thank you guys, everybody for watching. I love yes. it on your show, Ken. You're, you're just awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. And if, if, but for anybody watching, if you have not shared this out with your friends and your family, just click the share button below the video and share it out on Facebook or YouTube or wherever you're watching from LinkedIn. Um, just, just share it out. You can still redeem yourself if you haven't yet. So go ahead and, and click share. Mindy, thank you so much. Stay with me. I'm going to, I'm going to play the outro and then you and I'll chat real quick. So thank you, everybody. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. And we'll see you later. Thanks so much. Bye. Bye.